So I'd like to welcome everybody back to the final episode here of the Montgomery County Craft Beverages podcast series. This is episode number four. And today we're steering, you know, a little bit down the road from our breweries and our wineries. And we're going to talk to a different sector that you might not have thought about, and that is coffee shops, because we all know that the coffee industry is one of the most booming, thriving industries out there because let's just face it, coffee is one of the greatest drinks on the planet. But, you know, let's learn a little bit more today about some of the behind the scenes processes of how it gets to be from basically a bean to your cup. So we can learn about the roasting process more in particular, as well as some wonderful coffees that you should be trying. And today joining me on the podcast, I have both Luke and Brian, but I'm going to uh, let them introduce themselves so I don't take away from their, their proper introductions of who they are, their passions behind their business and who those businesses are. And I suppose we'll just start in alphabetical order. And Brian, if you don't mind, just to let everybody listening know who you are, the name of your business, and where you're located. Yes, uh, Brian Babcock. I've been in uh, the coffee business for about 30 years. I think this year, this year's 30 years for me. Um, Started out as a barista. Um, Moved up. I moved to Virginia in 2003 to work with the Easy Chair Coffee Shop. University Mall. Uh, Sweet Frog is is there now these days. Uh, So moved out here to work with uh, my best friend, Russell, who he and his wife, Anna, own the shop and uh, came out with the idea of roasting coffee. So we at least we've done that. So I still roast coffee. I have a roastery built at my house in uh, the county, in Montgomery County, out towards Reiner. Uh, So no, no coffee shop anymore for me. And I've gotten more into the, uh, I've gone down the rabbit holes in coffee. So I'm a Q grader, which is probably like a sommelier for wine, uh, coffee industry. And I'm also uh, in an assistant instructor in that right now. Um, I'm going to volunteer with the USAID project in Guatemala next month. So people have to taste coffee. Uh, so, you know, it's a craft beverage, um, and I probably already wandered off uh, the script here, so turn me back in. No, I think you did a great job. I think it's it's fascinating to learn that, you know, you have that much experience, and I think I was reading on your website earlier, too, that, you know, you have your 30 years or so experience, and you've roasted nearly every single day for, for how long has it been now? Uh, we got the roaster up and running at the Easy Chair in uh, 2005, about, about this time, of, yeah, March, February, March in 2005. So yeah, I, I don't roast. I've got a little bigger roast. So I, I don't roast every day, but I roast. That's a long time running though. Let's we'll see. I guess what, three more years we'll be looking at what, 20 years straight. If my, if my math's correct, it's a little off. I haven't really drank a lot of coffee myself this morning. So I'm a little behind, but that's great. That's fantastic. So Brian, welcome onto the podcast today. I'm sure you're going to have a great time with us and, and we're going to love learning about your history of, of roasting and kind of how that process works. And Luke, I want to jump over to you for just a moment. And uh, yeah, so Luke, uh, introduce yourself to everybody and, and let us know what your business is and, and where you're located. And if you want to give us some more insight, uh, feel free. Cool. Yeah. So I'm Luke Brill, and I am one of the owners and the roaster for Brew Coffee. 
and it's B-R-U-G-H Coffee. We're located in Christiansburg. Um, we, my partner and I, so my partner is my wife. Uh, her name's Cassie, so we're 50-50 owners. Uh, we started roasting in 2016, and that was primarily what we did for the first few years. You know, we roasted coffee, uh, set up at like farmer's markets, and, you know, sold online and sold locally. And then in 2018 was when we opened up our storefront. So right now we, you know, so we have the roasting operation in the back. And then in the front of the space is, you know, like where we serve drinks and stuff like that. So people can, you know, come in and get like lattes, pour overs. Uh, you know, we do have baked goods. We get those from Big Indian Farm out in Floyd. Um, yeah, you know, so we've just uh, we've got the roasting operation. Yeah, you know, as I said, since 2016, and then the storefront we opened up in uh, 2018, and we're still doing a lot of the same stuff that we started with. We don't really do farmers markets anymore. Sometimes we do like special events, but you know we still sell our coffee online. You know we ship all over the country. Um, you know we have a few different wholesale accounts, like local groceries or restaurants or coffee shops um yeah so that's that's uh kind of brew coffee in a nutshell very nice and I, I think it's it's neat did your name have any influence on you deciding to go into an industry that involved brewing or did that come is just a coincidence uh yeah i mean it was uh my my partner she definitely was the one who was like we gotta use brew you know when we decided that we wanted to do coffee and you know it does it does fit you know i feel like either you had to brew beer or do something with coffee and you know, we ended up with coffee. Very good. And I guess my question to both of you is, and, and Luke, we'll start with you and then we'll just kind of pass this around round table is, is why roasting? So what, what got y'all interested in the idea of roasting first, rather than just going straight to having a coffee shop or, or doing it a different way? Yeah. So for me, fun fact, I said I would never open a coffee shop. Uh, so and here I am, uh, the, the roasting side is what I was more intrigued by. You know, I do like brewing, not that there's anything wrong with brewing. Um, I think that, you know, especially around here and I, you know, I think, uh, Ryan would probably agree with me on this. There's not a ton of roasters, you know, we kind of have a few of us here, like spread out, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we have a good selection around here, but there, there's not a ton. So that kind of intrigued me. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that there's like something romantic about coffee, like roasting, like the whole process, like, you know, the beans and the drum and, you know, like uh, smelling coffee throughout uh, the roasting process. So there's kind of that romantic element to it. And then, uh, you know, there's also some science behind it, right? And I think that that was one thing that I really appreciated is it's just another element of control. So, you know, for, for roasters, you know, we're getting the, the green coffee uh, from origin, you know, we're getting it and they're more the ones who are roasting it, you know, so we're turning it from green coffee to the brown that everybody's used to seeing. And so it just kind of gives you another element of control because, you know, you have the opportunity to bring out certain elements of a coffee or mute certain elements of a coffee. Um, so it's just kind of like another uh, aspect of control. 
and then I guess the last thing that um, kind of comes to mind for me is just like my personality. I like roasting again, not, I like serving drinks and I'm out on bar uh, some and I enjoy it. It's kind of like different. Cause if you're out on bar, you're serving drinks, you're like, there's a lot more customer interaction with roasting. You know, it's a little bit more meditative uh, in, in my opinion, you know, it's pretty much just me and the roaster and I'm here. Um, and so there's just something about that that I like. So those are just, you know, some kind of like scattered points of why I like roasting. I feel like there's, there's a number of things that I really appreciate. Um, yeah. So that's what I have. I can understand all that, especially the meditative part. I know when I worked in the restaurant industry before I got into marketing and tourism, was my favorite place to be was always in the kitchen because I love to cook, you know, just listening to music and, and shouting at people and sometimes throwing things, you know, that was great. It was a meditative experience, but uh, so I, I can, I can relate to that very much. So, so thank you for sharing that. It's just always interesting to hear kind of what leads everybody to their places. And I guess, Brian, uh, what led you into the roasting? Um. You know, for me, it was a progression because I didn't start out as a barista. Um, you know, Russell, who I moved out here to work with, we had known each other before that and always talked about opening a coffee shop. And, and we kind of had to go our separate ways, you know, in, in, in life for a while. And I started working in a coffee shop in Kansas City to get experience. You know, if you're going to open a coffee shop, you should know what you're doing. Um, and I kind of fell in love with it. And then it finally worked out. I could move out here because Russell had come down and opened coffee shop so I came out and it was just kind of the logical progression um, because you know as Luke was saying retail being on the bar you know fully interactive a whole different experience than when you're roasting coffee and I wanted to go deeper and I wanted to go in those rabbit holes and and I was fortunate to meet people in the industry that could take me along on that journey so you know, we started trying to get some local roasters together in the mid 2000, 2005, 2006. And, and just, it, it was a deepening and an opening of, of window to, to coffee and what really goes behind it. But at core, again, it's like, it's cooking beans, but you can make, you know, you can go as nerdy as you want with it because it is, there is science, you know, you're manipulating the acids and the sugars and, you know, you're cooking. Um, but it just intrigues me and it's never the same. Um, when you've got a coffee down, the moisture is changing the coffee. A little different. So it's, you know, for an ADD boy, it's, it's always a new shiny out there to, to keep me in. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful reason. Like, and it makes sense. And, and it kind of goes back to food. Even though I'm not in the restaurant industry anymore, I still like to cook dinner every single day at home. And it's fun because you get to you get to I don't know how to the word that I'm looking for, but you and your recipes kind of relate. They connect and you you as cliche as it sounds, you get to put a little bit of yourself in all these pieces and aspects that you're doing. You, you know, like Luke was saying, you have that control and then uh, just the experimentation process, I think is what drives everybody. And ultimately the coffees are going to reflect that. Um, it's what's going to make them unique. You know, I've been to coffee shops where they claim to have these world renowned or state renowned coffees because of the work that the roasters put in. And ultimately, you know, 
I feel like sometimes the roasters don't always get acknowledged by the customers. Cause if you walk in a coffee shop, grab a coffee, you know, they might not think about this process. So that's why we're going to kind of lead into this next question is in your own perspectives. And, and I guess we'll try to get it from your own method and the way that you do things without giving away your secrets. What exactly does a coffee roaster do? And Brian, if you wouldn't mind to start with that one. You know, the, the, what we really do, I mean, it's, it's cooking like I was just talking about. We're, we're, we're turning green beans brown. You know, coffee is the seed of a fruit off of the tree. And so you have to dry that down. And, and so I would like to, you know, maybe we'll talk about this later, but the growers are the ones that are really doing the heavy lifting and how you grow it and process the coffee. Uh, we're just kind of a caretaker along the way because how we roast it and our interpretation of it, that, that's great. That's where you get the artistry part of it uh, to come in to play with the science. And again, that's a reason I love coffee because you, you can be an artist, you know, or tell yourself you're an artist and, but you're also, you know, using science and, and cooking food for people. I, I hope that answered what. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Just kind of understanding that process and just kind of connecting the dots for everybody listening and just figuring out these different steps. So, you know, you said you have your growers and you have your roasters and you have your brewers, your servers, and then obviously the ones of us that are drinking that coffee. So it's, it's really neat to kind of see that full circle of how that works. And, you know, I'm sure everybody does things somewhat the same. I'm sure there's certain processes to follow. And then you of course have your own uh, twists that you'll add in there as well. So Luke, uh, do you have anything that's slightly different or, or, or am I correct in thinking that this is pretty similar topic for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. I think like the only thing that I would say is that I think depending who you ask, like which roaster you ask, like you, you could get a varied answer depending on how they view themselves, because it could be somebody views it more as artistic. I think which Brian said, or, you know, scientific, you know, or like a combination of both. So I think you could get a number of different answers based on who you're talking to. But at the end of the day, we're taking this green coffee and turning it brown, right? We're putting it over some sort of heating element and having it change color. And, you know, you can get as nerdy as you want about it. You know, if you want to get down to the science and like all the changes that are happening, you can. Um, you know, I think uh, some people get really nerdy about it and some people probably don't really view it that way. Um, and I think like our job, you know, I, I would want to just emphasize what Brian said about the farmers because they're really the ones who are, you know, they do a lot of the work and then it's our job not to screw up anything that they did back at origin. Right. You know, because we really could take this excellent coffee and then if we botch the roast, and we just don't care about it, we could take this excellent coffee. And then by the time it gets to the customer, uh, you know, it could be the worst thing that they've ever, ever tasted. So I know for me, like, that's a lot of pressure sometimes, you know, like, if I know that I have this, like, really uh, experimental, uh, expensive coffee, and as soon as I, like, charge the roast, that's a lot of, a lot of pressure. So, which, which I enjoy, but, um, Anyway, yeah, so that's all I would add. I, I could definitely see that being something that would have a lot of pressure on it because, you know, I, I'm sure this isn't 
an inexpensive thing a lot of times either, especially if you're talking about bigger batches. So there's, you know, in the time, I mean, people got to think about the time that goes into growing these things. So yeah, great answer. I love that. And I guess Luke, I'll have you continue with this one. And I feel like we've already hit it because, you know, we've talked about you're taking a green bean and turning it to like a brown bean or black bean or, or however that process is going to work. But so what exactly happens during the roasting process, aside from just these color changes? Is it doing something with flavor, or texture, or, or what exactly is going on there? Yeah, yeah, there's some stuff going on there. And Brian probably can give you a better answer on some of the science behind this stuff than I can. But there's definitely like, uh, you know, so some of the things that occur during the roasting process. So there's like the drying, fit, fit, uh, drying phase. Uh, you know, which is basically, you know, there's moisture since it's a, you know, this is coming from a coffee cherry. There's some moisture uh, in the bean, you know, that's being released. Um, there's caramelization of sugars going on, uh, you know, lots of like gases releasing and stuff like that. Um, but depending like how all these phases go in your roasting process impacts um how the coffee is actually going to taste and so what that means is like your acidity that you have in your cup of coffee can either be greater or lesser depending on some of the changes that you make during the roast um you know you could bring out some of the more like sweeter notes of the coffee um you can also like mute notes of coffee uh if you don't like certain things you know you, if you're wanting to like accentuate something else um and so it can kind of like, you know, different coffees are kind of different, like a naturally processed Ethiopian coffee is probably going to, I would probably approach that a little bit different than I would like uh, Sumatran coffee or something like that. Um, so it's just like a lot of uh, different reactions going on that kind of end up impacting the end cup. And as I said, Brian might be able to give you a little bit more of the science behind some of that stuff. Now, that's fascinating. Like I would have never known that during this process, you could control little bits and pieces of how those flavors are going to be. So yeah, thanks for sharing. And Brian, definitely love to hear your feedback as well. Yeah. So, so when you're, when you're roasting coffee, you're applying heat to the beans and, and generally I think Luke is also a drum roaster. You have Dietrich or something, I think. Uh, I have a Mill City. Mill City. Okay. Those cats are cool. Um, yeah, so you're you're basically a, a drum roaster. Is you, you've got a gas jet underneath this metal drum that spins, kind of like your dryer would. It's got some fins inside, and it tosses the coffee while you're doing it. And so you've got heat and time. So you know, and convective and conductive heat that's going into the coffee. And so we can manipulate that a little bit. You know, the conductive heat is that hot metal drum. And then the convective heat is the, the gas just heating the air being drawn through the roaster as you're roasting it. And how you apply that and where you apply that is what Luke was talking about during the roast and how you can manipulate these flavors. So you've got, um, you know, some, some complex acids and complex sugars and you're breaking them down with that. Uh, moisture that's in the bean you uh, a green coffee bean is going to be like 10 to 12 percent moisture content um, for consistency sakes and and other reasons i won't go into because we want to keep people awake um 
But, you know, you're, you're applying the cheat and you're breaking down those complex sugars and acids and then they're able to recombine. And so you can highlight acidity. And then in coffee, you have uh, malic and citric are kind of your two prominent like tastes that you're going to get. You know, is it more like a citrusy lemon, uh, grapefruit kind of notes, or is it more of a malic kind of apples? Uh, so you can manipulate those things as you're roasting. And then as Luke also said, you can, the amount of time you take as you're roasting can develop more sweetness and more body in your coffee a little bit, or you can limit that. But again, it all goes back to the coffee you're getting, the different, he, Luke mentioned natural processing, how you get those seeds dried down to 10 to 12% moisture. There's different ways to do it and it can impact the flavor. So if you see natural process on your coffee bag, it's going to probably be a little more fruity uh, because it, they leave more fruit on that seed as it dries down. And so it develops a little more fruitiness, a little more fermenty kind of taste. Whereas a washed coffee is going to, take all that fruit off right away and give you a, um, a very more clean kind of taste, uh, more one dimensional taste. Um, and I'm going down the rabbit holes again, but uh, <laughs> you know, that's the fascinating thing of coffee, but that's what we're doing as we're cooking. We're trying to manipulate some of those characteristics that are given to us by the coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear all this because as somebody that likes to drink coffee pretty often, um, you know, I'm always, open to try new types of coffee. And, and I always love kind of more of your micro roasters, you know, and that's what I try to tell people is like, it, there's a big difference in going to a local business that actually does this and is passionate and cares about it versus say one of your like mega producers that just has like a cookie cutter recipe they use. I mean, yeah, you're going to, you're going to be familiar with those tastes, I suppose, but I think there's something special at, at the level that you're at being able to create these types of flavors and combinations to give everybody something that they probably never experienced before. And I guess y'all kind of answered one of my next questions was kind of how the process uh, affects flavor. So obviously by different ways that you can manipulate it is how you're going to change those flavors. But I think something that a lot of people get wrong, and I used to be one of these, was that a lot of people automatically assume that because it's a dark roast, it's traditionally going to be stronger than say a light roast or, or a blonde. And I've, I've read mixed thoughts and opinions on that, but I, what I've determined, and I'll let you all chime in and let me know what you think is, is that necessarily true? Just because, you know, I, I like dark roast because I like the bold, robust flavors. I'm not necessarily looking for uh, more caffeine necessarily. Um, but what is kind of the difference between a darker and lighter roast? And I suppose, Brian, if you'd like to start with that one. Yeah. So, so let me make, so you're asking the difference between a light and a dark roast. Essentially, I guess, yeah. A part of the process of how you get to that point and, you know, kind of breaking down that wall of people's belief is a dark roast stronger than a light roast. And I, I think they're talking about caffeine levels. I well, think that's the yeah. And that's where it gets confusing and why we need to have these conversations because they're, those are two different things that we're talking about, but there's confusion because people don't understand necessarily. So I was, I was talking just a minute ago when I was talking about roasting the coffee, it's time and temperature, right? So if you go to a darker temperature, if we roast this coffee longer, so we're going to take a little more time and it's going to get to a higher end temperature. Uh, and there's certain things that happen, you know, during, 
during those times. So the acids are being developed and they're very, um, oh, of course, the words dating me right now, but uh, emerald is not the right word, but they, they dissipate very quickly. Um, the acids tend to. So lighter roast, you're going to have more acidity. And then as you get to a more medium roast, you're going to have more, you're going to start tamping down that acidity and the sweetness is going to come out of the coffee. And then as you're caramelizing those sugars, as Luke was talking about, um, you're, you're breaking those down even further. And if you go farther than breaking down the sugars, then you have the moisture is out of the bean. You're going to a higher temperature and you're taking longer and you're basically getting down to just carbon. You're burning off. You're only down, you, you, you've roasted out 10% of that 12% moisture in your coffee. And so now you're down to just kind of the carbon fibers. And that's why you start picking up that, that charcoal-y taste in, in the darker roast coffees because you're down to carbon, you know, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, and, and if you like that, you know, if you put milk in your coffee, then that, that, that's what that could be for. Um, but if you like a brighter, more acidic cup of coffee, you want a lighter roast. And, and so there's trade-offs. Did I answer that for you? Yeah, I think that sounds like a perfect answer. Like it makes a lot more sense to me because I didn't know a lot about it. I knew bits and pieces, but that really helped me connect the dots. And I guess, Luke, if you have anything to add. I, I definitely welcome your thoughts on that. And before Luke starts, that was part one. We won't even get in the caffeine content. That, that's that's, <laughs> that's the separate much. thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, just uh, going off of what Brian was saying, um, like a way that I always like explaining like light versus dark is, uh, you know, with lighter roast, you're typically getting <clears throat> more of the actual bean itself more of the actual like coffee. And then, you know, when you're getting into the darker roast, you're getting more of the roast, like as far as the flavors that you're getting in the cup. Um, you know, so if you're liking a bolder cup, you know, that's typically why people gravitate more towards a dark roast. And then just to say something about strength, um, I think that sometimes uh, that gets like combined with assuming like bold equals strength. And I think sometimes it just comes down to like, you could have a strong acidic coffee. You can have a strong bold coffee that all comes down to like the ratio that you're using when you're actually brewing the coffee. So you could have a super dark roast coffee, but if you use hardly any coffee and you use a ton of water when you're brewing it, that cup's going to seem weak, you know, versus like, uh, you know, you could end up using a ton of coffee and not much water with a light roast. And that could seem like a super just strong cup of coffee. Um, so I think sometimes like strength gets thrown in with like roast and those are kind of like two different, two different terms. Yeah, exactly. And, and when I was kind of doing some research to kind of see what questions that our audience might have, that, that was one of the things that come up was, you know, a lot of people were associating strength with light and dark scale. And I used to be that person uh, years ago. I used to think, oh, well, the darker the coffee, the more strong it's going to be, and I'm going to be just wired all day. But, you know, I've had coffees that are extremely dark, and I've basically felt nothing. Like right now, I've actually switched to decaf um, because I was indulging in too much coffee, if that's actually a thing. So I switched to decaf for almost a month now, and I got the, the darkest 
wildest decaf ever to try to see if it would help me to convert. And it was really tough the first few days feeling those stronger caffeine withdrawals. And um, now it's just, it's great. I've, I've adjusted to it and I just enjoy the flavor. So I'll probably be asking you all here in a little while uh, what uh, decaffeinated options that you might have that you might suggest to me because I would definitely love to try those out. But um, yeah, so now that we kind of have that distinguished answer of lightness, darkness doesn't necessarily correlate with strongest, I guess my question to you all would be, what is your favorite roast? You know, do you have a special one that you've kind of created uh, for, for your just personal love of it or, or what is your favorite? Cool. Am, am I going first on this one? Yeah, we'll let you start off this one. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, the big thing, um, for me, uh, you know, with like coffees go. So a lot of the, um, credit needs to go to the farmer. Right. I think that that's kind of the, the big takeaway that I, you know, I do have a part in it cause I can screw it up. So therefore I also have to like give myself credit that like, all right, I, I did a good job with this one, but a lot of it comes from the farmer. And so there's like, I'm going to try and not like go down a rabbit hole with this, but one thing that's kind of cool about um, the coffee industry right now is that there's a lot of experimentation going on with like processing and stuff like that at origin. Um, you know, Brian talked about like natural process. So there's different processes and there's different ways that um, farmers uh, have an impact on the end cup, right? Um, and so just to kind of like, so I can kind of like highlight some of the cool stuff that's going on in the industry. We had this one coffee called Black Gold at one point and we don't have any more of it because they were only able to do four 77 pound bags of it. Um, and we were lucky to get one of those. And basically what that one was is at origin, they took the coffee cherries and they put them in um, these uh, whiskey barrels uh, from a distillery in Colorado. So the distillery was in Colorado. They got these uh, barrels from them, took them to Columbia uh, and they took the coffee cherries and they put them in these barrels and then they let them age there for a little bit. And then, so they took them out, then they took the cherries off. Uh, you know, they did all this processing stuff there. So it was like, you know, then we got it, uh, roasted it, um, you know, and that was one that I, I kept on like the lighter to medium range. And the cup was just so, interesting because like you got the elements from like the barrel um but then you actually like got the coffee um so that was like one of the more interesting ones that we've had personally um and that's one that like i still get people that ask me about it like are you ever gonna have that one back and i'm and then i have to like explain like you know that that's one that uh it's kind of so good because it's limited and there was a lot of work that went in on the farmer's part to be able to do that. Um, and then I guess just, so that's like a more extravagant one. Me in general, um, I typically like, uh, you know, lighter, fruitier coffees. Uh, you know, the ones that are probably a little bit more aesthetic. So like naturally processed um, Ethiopia's, uh, you know, we have an Ethiopia right now, Ethiopia, it's a RD Guji. Uh, that one's, 
pretty flavorful. Uh, you know, we also have had some naturally processed ones from Colombia because we have a partnership with some farmers down there. Um, so those are typically the type of coffees that I like. Not that I don't like ones that are like a little bit more chocolatey and uh, stuff like that. Excellent. So yeah, it sounds like there's some really cool things you can kind of play around with. And I think it's really neat um, how it all is going back to the growers. So how that correlation and that relationship works. Um, and I guess one quick question, you don't necessarily have to go into super elaboration on it, but when we're talking about uh, like wine, when we were talking with uh, the wineries in Montgomery County last week, you know, kind of depending on where grapes grow and the climate and, and what types you use, it's going to affect the flavor of, uh, of, of that wine. So I guess depending on where in the world the beans grow, they, the, I, and you might have hit on this a little bit and I missed it, but do they have like distinct flavors depending on those like climates and locations in the world, like from the soil and things? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's a, that's a good example. Um, the wine industry, I would say, is a good, uh, and even with like the beer industry uh, as well, but the, the wine industry, um, I think you can kind of end up using those to like compare each other and like explain them. And that for coffee, you know, where it's grown, the altitude, what the weather was like, um, different processing methods. Uh, the varietal of coffee, all these things have an impact in what the actual cup tastes like. And even like, uh, you know, so I think I mentioned the, you know, the, the weather. So you could have a coffee that's grown in the same area. And then the next year, the harvest could taste a little bit different. You know, maybe they ended up having like more rain, less rain, uh, you know, a number of different things. So the wine industry definitely is a good way to like, uh, kind of, explain some of the coffee terms that uh people may not be familiar with gotcha okay so yeah i'm glad we made that little bit of a segue and analogy because you know i think some people might be a little bit more familiar with maybe the winery side of things um so having those connections for the coffee side i think is fantastic so thank you luke and uh brian if you wouldn't mind uh i'll, I'll let you answer the same questions if you want to kind of elaborate on that second one we just answered as well, uh, feel free. Anything you'd like to throw out? I'm loving what both of you are, are throwing at me. So I've, I've learned a lot today. Yeah, I, Luke did a really good job with that. I Kind of the only thing I would maybe add is elevation plays a big part too. Uh, varietals are big and, and the two big are like, most people I think are familiar with Robusta and Arabica. That's like the first main uh, divider of the two coffees and a robusta is higher almost twice the caffeine but it's grown at a lower elevation and, it, and it's much more um it, it it doesn't have the the taste qualities and these are all generalizations um because they're you know i've got a friend that's got some robusta coffees that are amazing uh but generally speaking a robusta coffee because of the higher caffeine content caffeine is bitter and so you get more of that bitterness in a Robusta coffee. So you get that boost, but it's not going to be like a fine wine, so to speak, since we're talking, you know, analogies with wine. Whereas Arabica coffees, they need a little more elevation. And the reason that they tend to be a little tastier, if you will, is that they have 
some uh, cellular, excuse me, cellular respiration going on because of the elevation. So you have hot days, but it cools off in the evening. And so that gives the plants a little bit of a break, whereas a lower elevation in, in coffee growing areas are going to be hot all of, the, all of the time. So with an Arabica coffee, you're, you're able to get more, you know, kind of rest and rest for the coffee in the evenings and that develops more sugars so the plant develops more sugars in the fruit and so you get a sweeter coffee out of that and so that and again with the terroir the volcanic type of soils the even i was at a farm in costa rica and we were on you know the south side of the mountain we went over to the north side of the mountain the plants were completely different as of the different types of you know the amount of sun that they would get so all of those, you know, all of those into that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just, there's so many factors there. You just don't think about it's even um, like talking to the, the wineries last week, they were talking about how Montgomery County in particular is a great spot for, for, for them because of the weather patterns, because of the amounts of rain, the consistency, the wind, the way that mountains are, the sunlight, like all of those things are factors. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think when we go out and get a drink like coffee, for example, uh, we don't think about all the work that has went into that from the time it was just a seed in the ground until it's a liquid in a cup. So I think it's really fascinating to hear these things and, and just to kind of make these connections. And I guess uh, also, uh, Brian, what is probably your favorite uh, blend? Is there anything special that you've came up with or or kind of artistically or creatively or scientifically made is just one of your favorites? No, I, I, I favorite, my favorite is the one that's in front of me kind of, you know, and I don't know. I, I just have so many nice coffees that come through and I'm always playing around and, and sometimes I don't play very well or don't pay attention at the right times. And so the coffee comes out kind of, eh. mm. but but most of the time, you know, I'm trying to, what if I get a little more acidity with this particular bean, you know, what if I get, try to get a little more acidity out of this one vice, you know, when I roasted a little darker the last time. So I'm always kind of playing around. And so I just appreciate that, you know, again, we keep talking about the growers, but we should, uh, it wouldn't happen without the growers. And, and so it's just, for me, it's, I don't know, I'll, I'll stop right <laughs> Or speaking all flowery and everything. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's a great answer. And I mean, when you were saying that, I think about it in a sense of one of my favorite things to cook at home is like chicken and burgers. Well, just meat in general. And obviously, you know, I don't eat my chicken or burgers the same way every single time. Because if I did, that would get very boring. And and I guess coffee is yep. the same way. If I go out and get a coffee, sometimes I'll try something new just because it's fun to do that. And if it's something you have a taste for, it, it makes sense to not necessarily have a favorite, but maybe like a range of, I like these. So let's, let's see what the world has for me. So thank you. That was a great answer. And I guess now what we'll do is we'll kind of switch gears a little bit away from, you know, the actual scientific part and the roasting process there. And we'll kind of look, I, I want to look into the business side of things a little bit and let's take a look at Montgomery County. So is there any specific reason, and Brian, we'll start with you. 
why you chose Montgomery County? Is this the location that you just grew up in and you've always fell in love or did you move here and say, this is a cool place or, or was it like the wineries and the weather was just so perfect here to do uh, their job that there's a reason like that for you? Uh, no, honestly, it was, you know, I moved out to an established to work with an established coffee shop at, at University Mall there in Blackbird. So Montgomery County, you know, was where I started when I moved out here in 2003. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kept me, you know, it's it's kind of a unique mix, you know, with the university here and, you know, there's, you know, and, and technology going on, but we're in mm -hmm. Southwest Virginia. And so it's just a really interesting mix to me. Um, and it just spoke to me and I, you know, I'm from Kansas originally. So, you know, the, the hills are, are a lovely distract. Montgomery I, County had that. And so I've, you know, I've lived in Giles and Roanoke County, but, you know, for me, Montgomery County is, and that's, you know, where I live in my roastery is now. It's just how it happened, but it's a happy, cool, maybe because. I hmm. Yeah, that's great reasoning behind it. I think uh, I would say the landscape here is a lot different than Kansas. So, yes, uh, a bit. <laughs> probably some different things to look at here. So, yeah, but thank you for sharing that. I always find it, I, I love getting the stories behind why someone ended up where they are and, and why they chose to stay. Cause I, I feel like, you know, once you establish that home, it's like what makes it home for you. So I think having, like you were saying, the, the landscape, the technology, the things around and, and Montgomery County is really a kind of a great hub to be in. Cause you can be out in the country in a matter of minutes, you could be to the metropolitan area just as quickly. So you kind of have a little taste of everything up there. And Luke, I guess, oh, Brian, I saw you pop back on. I'll let you. I, I, I was just going to agree with you. You know, that, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, Montgomery County is a wonderful place. So I, I'm very envious and admirable of you being able to have your business there. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And Luke, uh, so what is it about Montgomery County that got you here uh, to set up your business and ultimately stay here? Cool. Um, I do have one. I, this is like jumping back. This is because my brain's kind of always all over the place so, uh, <laughs> before I answer that. Um, so I think you said something about wineries. And so that was like a comparison. And then uh, talking about how like people don't really necessarily think about farmers with coffee. And the one point that I would want to make with that. And so like a difference is like wine, you know, is grown throughout like the U.S., versus coffee is not really like there's some out in like California that's kind of been here recently um you know and out in like wine stuff like that and I think that that's one reason why like for coffee there's kind of like this uh one of like the hurdles that we have is the fact that it's not like something that somebody can go you know uh you know out into farmland here in like Christiansburg or in Montgomery County and see uh, you know, coffee being grown. So that was one, one point that I, I did make sure that I wanted to say. And then as far as me, like for Montgomery County, um, why am I here? So uh, born in, uh, I was born in Christiansburg um, and I pretty much have lived here my entire life. I went to JMU. So for four years, I lived in Harrisonburg and then I was offered a job back here uh, after college. So I moved back home, you know, I figured, all right, well, I can, my parents are still here uh, and be near them. And then, you know, I stayed with that job. I met my uh, partner, um, 
you know, she was the one who actually got me into coffee. I worked for an entrepreneur and I was like, oh, running, running your own business kind of seems cool. And I just happened to be living in Christiansburg when I decided I wanted to start a business with my partner. And, you know, I think for me, um, there's a couple of things like it's kind of cool for me uh, to have a business here because there are a number of people that I graduated high school with here that have businesses. And so there's kind of like that support to a degree, like we're all doing different things. Like, you know, one has like a beauty salon, you know, one's a barber, um, you know, there's like uh, some landscapers. And so it's kind of cool to like have that element because we graduated together and you know, it's like, oh, we're kind of all, we all decided, hey, we want to do our own thing. So that's kind of cool. And then I think for me, like my, mindset is I have to create whatever it is I want to see in the world. Um, and we have had coffee shops in Christiansburg bef before, but, you know, uh, at the time, like when I kind of really got into coffee there, you know, I felt like that there was what I was wanting to do with roasting, uh, was not really being done or like in the sense that it wasn't oversaturated. So I felt like there was, all right, this is kind of something that I'd like to see. And rather than waiting for somebody else to do it, I'm like, all right, well, I want to do this. Um, and I guess like the last point, you know, like the cool thing with like the, you know, cause we've been talking a lot about roasting, but the cool aspect with the like shop side you know, with like the drinks and all that is like, this is a space for our community to come in and connect with each other. Um, that can be over coffee, you know, like conversations like this are like, you know, how education for the coffee industry can grow, but it also could be like somebody's having a bad day and they just need somebody to like talk to, or, uh, you know, maybe like we bond over books or something, or, uh, we find out that we have this mutual connection you know, like I know this person's like grandmothers, cousins, whatever, you know, I think that that's kind of one, one thing that I appreciate, like in this community is like being able to be a place for people to come together and connect, um, which I think is kind of cool because I, I, I know some people that are friends right now and it's like, how did you meet? Oh, we met at Brew Coffee. So I don't know, that's kind of like a scattered answer on like why Montgomery County. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. I think everything was wonderful, especially the point you made uh, prior to that question on why people might associate like the vineyards uh, with the wine versus the coffee growing. And, you know, I didn't even think about that, but you can literally go to a lot of these wineries and, and see their vines on the property. But with coffee, you know, you're, you're going usually a building in more of like a town or a city. And there's, there's not like a farmland out behind a coffee shop with a bunch of beans growing. So yeah, that does make sense. So I think that's a great thing to put out to everybody, you know, listening is, is that's, that's part of probably why we do have that separation of that association. So yeah, thanks for that. And, and just your whole story about community and people coming together over coffee. I completely agree. Even, you know, like me on the business side of things, I've met a lot of partners uh, over coffee. Actually, the first time I ever met David in person, we met in Franklin County at a coffee shop in Rocky Mount. That was the first place that we'd ever really 
met each other face to face versus here on Zoom and things. So coffee is ultimately how we uh, broke bread for the first time. So that's uh, that's a great point to put up. I think there's a lot of uh, community topics that we can tie into this this drink, this beverage, this craft beverage that we have here. So uh, yeah, I think that's a great point. And kind of going on a, a little bit step farther is when we talk about your your roasting here. Um, and I've seen some information on your websites and if, if y'all want to elaborate on this. So somebody like me, let's say I, I'm intrigued by this story and I want to come try your coffee, which I, I, I do. What shops or locations can I go to? I know you have some on the web, but if I want to try it in person, where could I go to try and get a cup today? Cool. Uh, if, am I going first on this one? Oh, yeah. If you want to start that one. Okay, sweet. Um, all right. So uh, for us, Brew Coffee, we're located in Christiansburg. You can come to our storefront. You know, we have the, the retail boxes on the shelf. I just brought up, by the way. Sorry to interrupt, but of your expression. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, people can come in and, um, you know, they can actually like get a cup or they can get a box. Uh, you know, we do like pour overs, which is an individually made cup of coffee, you know, a time of like anything that's on the shelf. So like, if you want to try like, oh, that one looks cool, but I'm, you know, what about this one? You know, you can kind of uh, do, do that. So we're located at 407 Roanoke Street in Christiansburg, um, which is uh, FedEx is right next to us. We're in a building with McGrady Purdue uh, Heating and Cooling. Uh, it's a blue and white building. Uh, you know, we're like right off downtown. Uh, you can go to brewcoffee.com. So B-R-U-G-H coffee.com. Uh, you know, we ship all over uh, the U.S. Um you know, we do the like 12 ounce boxes that we have. We do five pound bags. Um, we're also in several places locally. So like Route 8 Donuts has our cold brew. Um, who else has our cold brew? Uh, Blacksburg Books has our cold brew. Uh, you can, Zelly's in Blacksburg serves our coffee. Our Daily Bread in Salem serves our coffee. Um, else the grind in bluefield i have to mention them uh colin he's a colin's a great guy uh i know that's out of montgomery county but in, if you're ever in bluefield uh virginia west virginia that area the grind uh they're great people um i feel i don't want to forget anybody um if you live in christiansburg and you live in a specific radius you can get our coffee delivered to you by drone but it's like only like a small like two mile radius or something like that. Um, that's actually pretty neat because that's where where I'm at in Southwest Virginia. Um, that's not an option yet, so I think having a drone delivery would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean it's still like in the early phases, so like it's not like this. You know, I think that it, drones will be like a thing in the future. Not like that they aren't in the present because like obviously it's being done here, but like basically Christiansburg, Virginia, why, you know, like my mind's still blown that like, this is the first place in the U S that you could do that. But they also just opened up a, um, a, uh, operation in Dallas, Texas. Um, so those are the only two places in the U S that you can get that right now. Um, so yeah, a number of different places we have them on our website. 
when in doubt, go to brewcoffee.com. There should be like a locations tab and there's like a list of uh, the places you can find us. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I had no clue on, on that delivery system, especially it's, it's interesting to think like you were saying, Christiansburg and then a community in Texas. And then you have all these, uh, you know, like I think about like Silicon Valley and all these big places that you think about tech, but yet our communities are, are part of that. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, Brian, uh, if we were to want to come and try some of your experimentations and things, where might we do, be able to do that at? Uh, let's see. Most, most of the shops are in Blacksburg. Uh, Vintage Cellar is, you know, our, our longest partnership. You can get bags of our coffee there. Uh, the Cellar, their package store, they have some bags of coffee in there. Oasis World Market and Annie K's, we have bags of coffee there that you can get as well. Um, because I, because I also travel and teach a little bit, or at least it's starting back up, you know, now I took a little hiatus. Um, you know, I just, you know, I keep the shelves stocked there and then I can wander off for a week or two to go, you know, play coffee. Uh, we also do home deliveries. So, so any, anywhere in Montgomery County, if you want to work with us and set up a system that works for you, you know, we do 12 ounce or a pound every week or every two weeks, you know, I, I deliver like Tuesday and Friday. So, you know, we, I, I drive around the county and drop off coffee to folks. you know, that's, to me, that's a cool, you know, relationship kind of connection with that, without having to hang out in the coffee shop. Yeah, that, that's definitely a cool way to do it. And it's, it's kind of like, I like to think about like the restaurant industry and I'm sorry to go to that. It's just what I, what I know so well is. I was always very admirable of food truck drivers versus the restaurant owners, because when I would work in the restaurant, you know, you're, you're stuck there. There's no way to move around and go to places, but in that food truck, you're kind of free to do those things. So it sounds like you're able to do that with some of your uh, abilities to deliver and things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of a way I play on the strange coffee. You know, people are like, why are you strange? And I'm like, cause I don't keep normal office hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but if you want coffee, we'll, we'll get it to you and we'll figure it out. And what do you, you know, let's help you explore your, you know, on your coffee journey and figure out what you, you know, if you like dark roast or light roast, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll sort it all out and have fun along the way. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I, I love it. I think that's fantastic. And I guess we're, we're kind of at the point now where I'm going to open up the floor in case there's something that I might have missed or that you would like to mention you feel is important uh, to everybody listening. And I guess, uh, Brian, we'll just go ahead and start with you and uh, see, see what you think. You know, I, I, I think I've I think rattled on enough. Got it uh, covered pretty well. This time, I, I can't really think of it, you know, except just try to be a little more mindful as a consumer of coffee. Um, you know, you need to find something you like, but don't be afraid to, you know, experiment a little bit and it might not be right for you, that particular coffee, but, you know, I, again, you know, have a sense of adventure with it and support, you know, your local people who are also supporting the growers that are, you know, trying to get a better price. And, you know, that's a whole nother podcast of the economics of coffee, but mm-hmm. um, just try to be mindful of that and, and, you know, have your coffee drinking actions kind of support, you know, hopefully, you know, good coffee. 
Excellent. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, same, everybody listening, you know, think about that. Don't be afraid to go out and try something new and, and to experiment and, and see what you like, because if you get something and you don't like it, worst case scenario, you just give it to somebody else, but uh, you might find the next best thing for, for your palate. So that's definitely some great advice. So thank you for that, Brian. And I guess, Luke, uh, is there any last words you'd like to say to everybody listening today or anything I might've missed that you'd like to talk about? Um, I think, you know, the only thing that I would add is, you know, just, especially like in our case, like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Right. Um, I think, you know, uh, you're always going to have some like bad experiences, I feel like, but, you know, any of like our team, you know, we're not pretentious about it. Like we want to be able to spread knowledge uh, with people on coffee, you know, and it's kind of to whatever level somebody wants. If somebody really wants to nerd out on coffee, we're here for you. If you're just wanting to like try and find out like what flavored latte it is that you want, you know, we're here for it. You know, we just want people to find some sort of like positive experience with coffee that they can, you know? Um, and I think that it can be intimidating, you know, it can be scary to ask questions, but really I think what the, coffee industry needs and one thing that i appreciate about it is like people are being able to connect you know it's like roasters like ryan and myself who are able to you know we're connecting over coffee you know it's uh consumers with you know the roasters connecting over coffee like we're all in this together and it should be like a positive experience where we're helping the overall coffee industry grow and become a better place um you know so I think that's like the big thing is just don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to make connections um, with people. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I have. That's a fantastic answer. I, I love it. And, you know, that's something I think that is challenging sometimes, you know, like me, I, I, I'm going to openly admit that I know very little about coffee other than just what I've experienced for myself. I know what flavors that traditionally I like, and I know bits and pieces of the process, but I've learned so much here today, just asking these different questions and just trying to kind of get a better understanding for things. So it's definitely opened my eyes up to this industry. And, you know, I hope more people start seeing coffee as being a part of that craft brew industry. Cause I know years ago, people might have just thought, heard the term craft brew beverages and immediately think of like beers but you know that includes so much more of you know your wines your coffees and I would even argue in some cases it's a little bit more rare now at least where I live is uh is soda shops because there used to be a lot of experimentation there with syrups and different carbonations and ingredients to go in so the craft uh, beverage industry is is definitely fascinating and I think it all revolves around kind of what you're talking about with the coffees of bringing people together and having that tradition of uh, family and friends and storytelling and just sharing and making memories. So thank you both uh, for sharing all your insight today, uh, Luke and Brian. I've enjoyed this episode very thoroughly. I think it's a great way for me to end my reign here at the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. That over the past two years, I've met so many exceptional uh, professionals from various backgrounds, uh, from coffee to beer to music to the arts and outdoor recreation history. And these connections have been wonderful. These stories have been great. So for everybody listening, 
I hope you too took as much out of today's episode as I did. I think it was absolutely stunning. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to this final episode of the Montgomery County Craft Beverage Podcast Series. And pay these guys a, a visit uh, in Montgomery County so you can try out their product. Uh, I'll have links in the show notes where you can find out more information about them, where you can try these different flavors and, and find something that fits your particular palate. So again, Luke, Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. David, thank you for connecting us all together and everybody listening, have a wonderful day and be safe exploring Southwest Virginia.